G'day, this is an abridged version of the episode that you can hear in full by signing up at uncomfortableconversations.substack.com slash subscribe. Enjoy the freebie. G'day, humans. Welcome to the Safe Space for Dangerous Ideas. And wow, what a walk down memory lane. Not memory, actually, lane, but new, completely new thing lane uh, for most of you. And indeed, for me, nostalgia lane. I haven't heard this in seven years lane. Uh, one of the greatest experiences of my life to have done this lane and i can't believe that i haven't had access to listening to this up until now lane uh hope you're sitting down hold on to your hats lane uh back in the day i had a show called we the people live which was basically uh, i was thinking i was living in new york city and i was thinking to myself you know what uh i want to do like a weekly panel chat show about the news um so why don't i just do it uh, live uh, at a bar in Brooklyn and we'll record it and release it as a podcast. Now, We The People Live subsequently ended up becoming a place for all kinds of interesting things to, to happen. And, you know, I was just sort of, it became my my playground where I could do one-on-one interviews. But the original DNA of the show was get people drunk in a bar and laugh about things. And that version of the show became really popular. It was great. And today, you get a glimpse into a dingy, seedy, smelly Brooklyn bar in 2016. Cast your mind back. Barack Obama is the president of the United States. They're gearing up for a presidential election. Hillary Clinton v. Donald Trump. And Artie Lang, one of the most iconic and brilliant comedy performers in American radio. So Artie started out on the Howard Stern show and became a complete icon because of that. He's a big, fat, boisterous, hilarious, high-powered, high-energy guy who I met by inviting him on We The People Live. And he, the, God bless him, he was nice enough to come on multiple times. He would get a car all the way in from his place in New Jersey. He, lives, he was living in this beautiful apartment with panoramic views. I went there over, overlooking Manhattan because I did his podcast. When I arrived there, Ann Coulter was there. She was a previous guest on his podcast. He literally watched, he told me, he watched the Twin Towers fall from these panoramic uh, terrace overlooking the skyline of Manhattan. Anyway, enough about that. So Artie Lang became kind of a buddy of mine. He would show up, and I hope I'm not betraying a confidence here, Artie, but like he would show up with uh, his, his off, he had a sidekick, like offside, I don't know, bodyguard, a helper, assistant. Um, and he would show up and he would occasionally just be bleeding from his nose. And he would complain to me and say, oh, I've got this, you know, my doctor said I've got this health thing. And I was so naive. I thought, well, it couldn't be cocaine or snorting heroin, surely. I mean, he's probably got some kind of, of course, the guy was, yeah. He subsequently encountered a lot of problems uh, drug-wise. Artie, I love you and I hope you're okay and I hope you don't mind me telling that. I don't think it's breaking any news to say that uh, he's been struggling with, uh, with substance use. Uh, issues. So anyway, at the time he would show up, he would absolutely, you will hear, you will hear just how good the drugs made him in this very show. And then there were the girls from Guys We Fucked, which is their podcast. Uh, I'm not even, you know, just Google that if you don't know what Guys We Fucked are. And then John Ronson, the brilliant Brit who uh, Louis Theroux sort of based his persona on, John Ronson is an inquiring and curious journalist and performer uh, who is, is so insightful about things. Uh, this is this is 
the four of us talking about Trump stuff, talking about psychopathy, which is John Ronson's uh, area of specialty, wrote a book about it, um, a bit about Hillary and Bernie and the types of people who vote for such candidates, a bit about performative social justice and how leftists can't talk about problems with Islam and the privacy questions of uh, Apple being forced to unlock the iPhone of a shooter. It's just, anyway, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, again, it's not a blast from the past because it has been unavailable. All of this stuff is unavailable. All it, all it does is sit on a hard drive in my basement. And I'm so glad to be able to bring it to you as just an interesting curiosity from 2016, an old live episode of We The People Live. Enjoy. Welcome to We The People Live, the interactive discussion show for planet Earth. This week, Trump, abortion, race, and the politics of anger, terrorism, Brussels, Muslims. What do we do? Do we profile or is there nothing to see here, ma'am? And Apple and the FBI, the feds can hack your phone. Is privacy dead? Joining me are Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson of Sorry About Last Night and the podcast Guys We Fucked. John Ronson, the acclaimed journalist, humorist and documentary maker, author of bestsellers like The Men Who Stare at Goats, The Psychopath Test, and most recently, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, which is out in paperback this week. Fantastic book. And the great Artie Lang is here, former star of The Howard Stern Show and Mad TV and now host of the Artie Quitter podcast. Let's uh, start. <laughs> that was very nice. You just gave... We got a little woo from on stage and Stop almost it. nothing Stop from it. the crowd. <laughs> uh, let's start with the most important story of the week. Uh, a United Airlines flight to Tokyo had to be diverted because a passenger insisted on doing yoga. Hyong Tae Pei was doing yoga and meditating up the back of the plane. And that's not racist to say it that way. That's probably how his name's pronounced. Probably. So don't stop laughing at me. <laughs> you just look like you're that having a, a, a face orgasm. <laughs> you know what's a horrible thing about the times we're living in? Without the yoga, that's just a regular story. Yeah. <laughs> what, that a flight got diverted? Yeah, I mean, everything, there's a disaster every day, you know? It's like... A, it's a very it, millennial yeah, mm. flight diversion. So <laughs> had yoga... And he, it'll be a story. But this guy was a this guy was a South Korean gentleman, and uh, he was of up. Of course, <laughs> they always are. Uh, South Koreans and the yoga uh, on planes. Right. Uh, he was up the back of the plane. He refused to to go back to his seat, and when the flight attendants insisted, he flew into a rage. Uh, there were a couple of U.S. Marines who were on the flight who tried to Perfect. help the flight attendants out. And uh, the passenger headbutted them and bit them. And they brought, he put his, took his mat out and did his mantra. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so the opposite of yoga. Yeah, I know. How do, you, how do you snap people. out of meditation and straight into a headbutt? <laughs> uh, so I just want to go around the horn very quickly about the most interesting or frustrating thing that you've ever encountered on a plane. John, do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, I have a. I'm a bit nervous that this plane story is going to take a little while to tell. Uh, well, the I, whole show is about 35 minutes. So fuck. Okay, I'll you've tell got it. about 34 and a half minutes. I'll tell it as fast as I can. Okay, so I got. I, I went on Concorde once, um, and um, when I took my seat, I, I wasn't paying for it. When I took my seat, I, I was sitting next to Keith Richards. Um, what? Yeah, and I was in the seat next to Keith Richards, and I thought. I'm going to have to like look look straight ahead for the next four and a half hours and not acknowledge that I'm sitting next to <laughs> Keith Richards. But like within a, within about twenty seconds, Keith Richards poked me, and and said, um, "I've done everything, man." And 
<laughs> so, the, so the plane took off and it kind of got to Mac 2. Um, by the way, they gave me a, 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 little, um, a little certificate that said I've been on Concord, but they didn't give one to Keith Richards. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, uh, so it got to Mac 2 and like everyone clapped and then it started to slow down and judder alarmingly. And uh, the pilot came... I swear to God this story's true. So the pilot came over the tannoy and said, you may have noticed that the plane is... Slow. Be alarmed. And um, so the guy in front of me, who was the head of a radio station turned around and said, the last time this happened, they gave everybody free vou- food vouchers for Marks and Spencers, which is like a British <laughs> food thing. So, But it's a chain, right? It's not even a very classy thing. Yeah, it's not but like I'm they're giving thinking, you food I'm vouchers the... to go to a Michelin-star restaurant. Well, I, I mean, I'm thinking, fucking hell, the uh, plane is like juddering alarmingly and slowing down, and there's a guy talking about vouchers. <laughs> so the captain comes out of the cockpit because the tannoy's not working, and he's like going up the aisle like four by four and it gets to us and he looks directly at me I guess he needs to look at somebody and he looks directly at me and says you may have noticed that the plane has slowed down dramatically we're going to turn back and head back to to London we may or may not make it (laughs) my hand to God we may or may not make it but what just a joy you know just and the guy in front turns around and and goes the vouchers. <laughs> men, men, mention the vouchers. So, and Keith Richards said, uh, I don't care, but I'll tell you who's going to be really pissed off. And I said, who? And he said, Mick. He's down the front. And <laughs> Mick Jagger was like down the front and he saw Keith and went... <laughs> yeah, there you very, go. Very good. Can you, can you beat that? Can you... <laughs> Well, what, what, I'm trying to think of the last, the last year that Mick Jagger and Keith Richards flew commercial. <laughs> what year was that? Oh, it was before Concorde. It must have been. I'll tell you where we were going. We were, we going... were just about to say it was before the Concorde crashed and <laughs> stopped working. It was just because... before the Concorde crashed. Yeah. Uh, you can date it because we were going to Minneapolis to, to the launch of Prince's triple album. So it was whenever that happened. Oh, definitely. That was 1983. <laughs> By the way, we got, to, we got there and, and somebody from, from a tabloid was there, like The Sun, and said to me, is it true you know, that there was this kind of Concorde you know, incident? And I said, yeah. And he said, how did you feel? And I said, well, I was, yeah, I was a bit shaken up. And they said, how did Keith Richards field. I said he, he seemed fine and then, I, and then I saw the paper the next day and it said I was terrified said passenger Ronson but not Keith he just <laughs> <laughs> he just knocked back another whiskey and coke and it just <laughs> makes you think I think it was Charlie Watts on a train <laughs> how do they have to go it is kind of lucky then when you think about the fact that that Concorde blew up, uh, that it was a charter where there were just a lot of tourists on it. Because ordinarily, you, you're reminding me that the Concorde was full of celebrities, full of so celebrities. it could have been really bad. Yeah, and, thank God it was just regular people. That's right. right. And that's obviously yeah. what was happening like in my mind that, that night. I was thinking for the rest of eternity, it's going to be Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, Liam Neeson, and what? 97 others. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. I was on a plane with, uh, with Robert De Niro once, mm-hmm. and I just... And and as we went through turbulence, I did think to myself, if this goes down, then every single person who knows me, when they find out that I died, they're like, how the fuck did Josh die? And someone said, well, you know that plane that De Niro was on? Yeah. He was on the fucking De Niro plane. 
Yeah, you do that thing. You look around if the plane goes down, like how far down the article you're going to be. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't even make it. I wouldn't even make it. Adi, if one direction gets on the plane, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be sixth. Uh, uh, okay. Can we cancel this topic? He beat everyone. I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean maybe, already, maybe already has yeah, yeah, okay, one. You're older, so Adi. maybe. Well, no, you're young. I'm sorry. I'm uh, not. <laughs> I uh, I made out with a chick who thought I was Andy Richter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, uh, yeah, I was going to play a club called Zanies in Chicago, and uh, that's right. And uh, <laughs> I get talking to a big shot, and uh, this chick was really drunk next to me, and I had done Conan a couple of times, so I guess she put two and two together, and she saw a fat guy of Conan, and she said, uh, "You're Andy Richter," and I said, "No, you know," and she wouldn't stop saying it, and finally I just said. Fuck it, yeah, you know, I'm Andy Richter. I just wanted her to shut up. <laughs> and uh, she, she was like, ah, she's introducing me to people. Like, you know, she called me to, she was going to call on the fucking uh, plane phone, let me talk to her mother and, uh, as Andy Richter, <laughs> but she couldn't work it, thank God. Uh, she must have been really into Conan because she started hitting on me. Uh, like, you know, sort of like kissing my neck. And uh, I said, fuck it, I mean, <laughs> I'm not John Stamos, I'll tell you when I can get it. Uh, thinking of the pussy at Zanies. <laughs> yeah, the bar at Zanies. It's just ama- uh, it's amazing to me that Andy Richter goes around America being hit on by beautiful women. Well, listen, well this is what happened. Like, I told Andy this, he goes, what? That doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, and I said to him, I said, well, maybe you're a little more charming. <laughs> no, she started, and, uh, and I, uh, I started making out with her. And I, 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 we, in we your were, seats or in the bathroom? In our seats, in our seats yeah. And uh, I said, let's take this to the bathroom, you know. And uh, both of us in the bathroom, we couldn't fucking, we couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't, I couldn't reach your mouth. <laughs> uh, the Mile Wide Club. <laughs> and uh, we were too, both of us were too fat to make out in the bathroom. And uh, I guess that's why she was a heavy drinker. Uh, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean for that pun. Literally, I was a heavy drinker, uh, but the heavy and drinker. And uh, we went back. Yeah, we got the game. It was kind of sad, you know. Yeah. And I landed. And I told her, "Come to Zanies," you know. And uh, <laughs> uh, I kept trying to. Well, we got to try the fucker as Andy Richter. <laughs> trying to googling Andy Richter for references. And uh, I made out with her in front of a bunch of people. First class flight to Chicago from New York. And I, at the end, I never told her I wasn't Andy Richter. So and he's married with children. Like, I could get around. <laughs> and the next time I did Conan, I was sitting there, I told the story, and I said, uh, I apologize to your wife if she heard anything. That wasn't... That was, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> but in the bathroom, it was so... You know, that was the most pathetic thing. I was, like, crying at the Aww. La Quinta Inn by... <laughs> oh, La Quinta Inn. Yeah, but I killed it, Zany. All right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it. Uh... <laughs> You're Let's move on here. to. Can we move on to some less important subjects of the week? Like, oh, uh, sorry, the geo- <laughs> <laughs> you got another yoga flow. <laughs> uh, the GOP, uh, they've gone from uh, from confused to simply terrified by the inexorable ascent of uh, of Donald Trump. Last week, Trump threatened to spill the beans on Ted Cruz's wife. <laughs> what the hell is what, that? What does that mean? What are the beans? Yeah, what what beans? Are the, I don't know what the beans are. What does but... that mean? Like she's a dude or something? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Uh, this week, uh, Trump proudly defended his campaign manager for physically assaulting a female reporter. Uh, he didn't assault that. Yeah, did you see her. the video? Yeah. Come he on. He didn't touch her. 
Are you gonna defend that guy? She had bruises, Adi. Bruises. Yeah, but the bruises don't line up with the. Um, yeah, listen, I fucking hate Trump. I mean, I can't right. even believe. Yeah. I can't even believe that we're still talking about. Every time we talk about him, bad or good, it's just giving him publicity. It's like the Spice Girls say: any publicity is good publicity. Okay. <laughs> and they are the them. sages of our time. <laughs> but I'm uh, saying, I mean, Giants linebackers have gotten closer to people this year. <laughs> she did, uh, they're not defending him. Yeah, okay, I don't give a shit about the physical assault. We can move on from that. Uh, uh, Now there's a blunder that made uh, even very conservative Republicans wince. I just want to take a listen to Trump at an MSNBC town hall debate this week with Chris Matthews. Do you believe in punishment for abortion, yes or no, as a principle? Uh, The answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. Ten cents, ten years, I don't know. That I don't know. Why I not? Know. I don't you know. You take positions and everything wanna, else. I frankly, I do take positions and everything else. It's a very complicated position. <laughs> what the <laughs> So he later backtracked uh, to the correct anti-abortion orthodoxy, which is that the woman is a victim and you should only uh, is prosecute, a prosecute the physician. Yeah, well, rather than the woman. You should punish the woman. That's so the awful. doctor's giving her an abortion, and she, the whole time she's like, don't do it. That's right. That's okay, basically cool. it. No, because women are incapable of making decisions for themselves. Well, yeah. Uh, I, although the outrage over this has taken me a little bit by a surprise, but I'm a man. You're a non-man, so what's your Thank take? you. That's so sweet. <laughs> Trump's a fucking idiot. He's, I actually have heard him say, and it made me also mad, uh, at one of the debates he said that uh, Planned Parenthood does a lot of great things for women, not just give abortions. And I was like, yeah, you're fucking absolutely dead on with that, you piece of shit. Uh, punishing women and then victims of an abortion. Like, don't. That, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Well, he used to be pro-abortion. So, uh, you know, it's ambiguous. Because that's when he used to get pro- them. It's pro-choice. Yeah, that's when he <laughs> got his side hose abortion. not pro-abortion. Well, Trump. He probably was pro-abortion as well. Trump would, yes. be, would be pro-abortion. Abortions for everybody. Me, this is, I was on the fence about this. I tweeted out today. Eric Trump does interviews sometimes, and he's such, he's really... Eric Trump? Eric Trump. Yeah, he talks son. about uh, hard work, the Trump sons, about how hard it was to get a job at the Trump Tower. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he's so nervous he's going to say something wrong. He says the word amazing like 50 times in a second. He's, a, he's an amazing dad, he's an amazing dad, he's amazing. And uh, he's embarrassing. So I tweeted out today a picture of him, and it said, I said that sometimes um, uh, women are punished for not having an abortion. <laughs> That's a go on, Arnie. And, uh, I went up two followers. <laughs> All right, good for you, John. Uh, what do you make of it as a foreigner who resides here? Do you are you are you clear on whether or not Trump actually believes anything? Because when in that clip, when he's being asked about it, it actually looks like he's just thinking, "Oh fuck, what are the evangelicals going to want me to say, and how do I say it?" People keep asking me. I, I wrote a book about psychopaths, so people keep asking me if Donald Trump is a psychopath. But I. I mean, I took, a, I, I took a kind of vow of abstinence when I finished my psychopath book about diagnosing psychopaths from afar. But, you know, it's kind of interesting. As the, you know, one of the big um, traits is pathological lying and not being embarrassed if you're caught in a lie. That's like a big psychopathic trait. So every politician then, like, is... <laughs> well, that's yeah, the but, thing, yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, pathological. Like, well, know, yeah, Pathological. Yeah. And then there's uh, the grandiose sense of self-worth. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm sort of disappointingly thinking that maybe Donald Trump isn't a psychopath uh, because one of the other items, one of the other big items... Oh, I'll tell you another big item on the checklist is, like, juvenile delinquency and early behaviour problems. So this is, like, when they're so young that they're not doing, like, PR... 
they're just like torturing animals and not thinking about the consequences. And something did happen with Trump, right? When he was like 10, 12, 14, he got sent to some kind of like oh, really? special school or something because he was like... For what? Really? For uh, for For kind of some kind of extreme behaviour <laughs> or something. Hilarious. However, I've come to the conclusion that maybe he's not a psychopath because one of the items on the checklist is... Uh, is need for stimulation proneness to boredom. And then when you think about the amount of time it takes him to build those big fucking buildings mm. and, like, all the, like, the 15 years of, like, you know, payola and stuff, I kind of think that's not the kind of thing a psychopath would do. I think he's clearly got narcissistic personality disorder. Well, I heard that on the, on the radio. I heard that on Trumpcast. On Trumpcast, a psychologist was saying, yeah, that he definitely has narcissistic personality disorder. And I've got to say, I never love that. I never love some, somebody sort of diagnosing somebody from afar in that way because, you know, psychologists can suffer from narcissistic personality disorder as well. Um, <laughs> That's complicated. Well, he retweeted somebody's tweet, which was a Mussolini, Mussolini quote. quote. Not that he knew that it was. Yeah, but I think he's a, I mean, he's a psychopath, but he's clearly a productive one, you know. Uh, yeah, he gets shit done. He just says, he's just, he can't... Um, in the beginning, he was great because he was showing human emotions, which, you know, people like Jeb Bush, politicians, they don't know how to deal with the human emotion, the robots. You know, like, we have to defeat ISIS. And he's going, I'll fucking bomb the shit out of ISIS. <laughs> you know? uh, and, but that gets you so far. He's got to learn something about the issues. Like, he sit down with a book in that plane of his. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know when, when they asked him what, uh, who, he, who his trusted foreign policy advisors are. Melania. He, <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, well, for a start, my number one foreign policy advisor is me because I have an incredible brain. That's not good enough, buddy. He said he has the best words. God. Has there ever been a candidate that, that's this close to being president that's this much of an asshole? Oh, yeah. Have we, seriously, have we? A, a flat-out racist. Well, I mean, uh, uh, George Wallace in the 60s ran on the fact that he was a racist. Like, that was his slogan. <laughs> Did he get close? Uh, I am a racist. Yeah, yeah, in his party to get it being the nominee? Very, what was he? he might I have think been, he was he the nominee. A, he was the nominee. Oh, yeah, he was the nominee. No, Goldwater beat him out. All oh, right, yeah. right, okay. But uh, any, anyway, you're going back a little ways in time before you find. But that, that's the last, yeah, that's the last one I could think. Right. No, I was just, I was just, I was just getting ready. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, uh, I'm ready. Speaking of race and Trump, the divisiveness of uh, of the pro-Trump versus anti-Trump movements is uh, sort of reaching a fever pitch. There was a Trump rally in Wisconsin uh, at which a 15-year-old female protester got into an altercation with a middle-aged Trump supporter who sprayed her in the eyes with pepper spray. Oh, I she pushed. I know this yeah, doesn't no, fucking no, matter, no, but no, I she agree did. With you. She pushed I'm him, with you. Yeah. and she then he went, uh, and she was like, oh. But that's the thing. If we <laughs> want feminism, away. if we want feminism, if we push someone I expect to get pushed, get pushed back. back. That's yeah. what feminism would be because it would be equality. Also, I, I'm, I'm very serious. true. Yeah. I'm serious. If, if I, I hit, hit someone, you, yeah, you can hit me back. Hit, no, yeah. it's like you have to. If you want <clears throat> equality in the good stuff, you have to have equality in the bad stuff too. I respect that. That's, that's a great. That's just a ballsy thing to say. <laughs> if I punch <laughs> you, you can punch me back, Artie. No, but I mean, at some point, you got to be a, a gentleman. At some point, if a woman punches you in the face, you can't punch her in the face. Well, you know? violence like, is stupid across the board for any gender. Right. It's and, dumb. I mean, the thing Unless is, the guy's going to rat on there you. There are a couple of. <laughs> <laughs> There are a couple of things that I took away from watching that video. One was, like, Trump supporters do have a right to gather and cheer without other other people obstructing them, right? Like, she has come to their rally to shout at them and to push them and to infringe on their freedom of assembly and freedom of of speech. It's not like they're going onto her turf. And secondly, 
around America, people get punched and sprayed in the eyes and shot in the head every single. Oh, I do on my commute to work. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the moment it happens at a Trump rally, all of a sudden it takes on all of this ominous kind of macabre media hysteria. I mm-hmm. wonder why that is and whether that's valid. It's that tumbleweed of Trump of like everyone obsessing over him and talking yeah, about we're him all the time. I mean, it's I mean, he's we, getting the be- spotlight more than Hillary and Bernie, more than any of the candidates. I just think really? people are yeah. are obsessed with what he says because he. You, it's one of those things where what's he going to say next? So yeah, he's entertaining. Feeding. We value entertainment in this country more than anything else, and Trump is more entertaining than Bernie or Hillary. I'm a huge Hillary fan. She's a little boring sometimes. Yeah, Maybe she needs to spice things up. I think this proves that new music sucks. We'll be jumping. <laughs> I mean, you know, in the 80s, we'd have a concert to go to or a Trump rally. <laughs> <laughs> and Bernie Sanders is 114 years old. <laughs> and an assassination plot against Bernie Sanders, you just have to wait. <laughs> like right now, we're killing Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, you know, it's like these teenagers are going to a political rally. I mean, you know. Oh, it just like seems it. like it just seems like the people who support Trump a lot of times when they interview him, they, they support Trump because it pisses everybody else off. Like, that's what it's become. I think that's part of it. And it really, and it's, it's either like some woman going, I love Trump's bad person in the world. Or it's some dude who's never voted in his fucking life, and he's 50, and he's like, I'm going to register to vote because this piece of shit should be president because that's hilarious. It's like in his head. It's like, 